0: another episode of now about that with james and sarah i'm james and i'm sarah and on this week's episode sorry (laughs) (laughs) on this week's fairly packed episode we'll be looking at uh, the women who led women's suffrage movement uh we'll explore a little bit about the chicana movement which sarah so greatly brought up and then we'll also dive into a couple of wonderful world We'll dive into the wonderful world of women-owned businesses to highlight some great companies with a purpose. Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of highlight before we do get started <clears throat> um, is I wanted to make sure that we include um, in these discussions and the ones we had previously in uh, during Black History Month that we're no longer we're by no means saying that um, these this history and this information should be relegated to just these months. Uh, but we do want to just highlight these this information. Um, for both Black history and the struggle for women to get get and maintain their rights um, as a continuous discussion, um, and if forgotten, will only cause issues within these groups. And these rights and fights are things that impact everyone, and we all should be be coming together to support every day, not just these two months. Mm-hmm. Sarah was yawning in that.
1: Yes, but I,
0: but I heard, I heard, and I agree. But before we dive into that, you want to do a quick catch up and see how how it's going? As I mess with my hair.
1: Sure. I mean, you know, I was just messing with mine too, so I look bald because of uh, how dark the background is.
0: <laughs>
1: but I'm not bald. I haven't shaved my head yet. Um, I'm o. I'm not really okay, but I'm okay. <laughs>
0: You're getting through. (laughs) I'm
1: chugging right along.
0: (laughs) It's been a long, it's been an annoying two days for me, although I finally had some final closure and completion on my car, frustrating. Those of you that are just tuning in and haven't listened, I've been having an issue with my car and trying to get it fixed at the dealership that I usually go to, and yesterday I dropped it off to hopefully get the last couple of things that I asked them to do fixed, i gave them five things I wanted them to do, um, two of which they finished yesterday, and then three they forgot to do, and I had to take it back in this morning. But the good thing is, when I took it back in, he was like, it looks like you're ready for brake service too, and what I'm going to do is just throw that in for free. So they serviced my brakes for free. I think it was like $150 or something like that that he did for free because I was inconvenienced. So that was nice. <laughs> you
1: know, I I love that you were uh serviced for being inconvenienced.
0: I mean, I usually try to I'm one of those people that if it's something like this where it's a lot of money and I something they were supposed to do something they didn't, I'll say something and I'll usually get my way. Mm-hmm. If it's something small like they put cilantro on my food at dinner or something like that i just i'm like i'll I'll let that go it's not that big of a deal but when i'm spending i ended up almost spending two grand on a car and yesterday it was fourteen hundred dollars and they didn't do everything i asked them to do then i'm gonna say something yeah same thing with phones like i got my phone updated and they always charge an upgrade fee one quick tip is if you call them and ask them to remove it more than likely, they will. So if you ever upgrade your phone and they charge you an upgrade fee, if you call them and ask them to move, remove it and you're nice about it, that's kind of key, uh, they will more than likely be able to remove it for you. Nice. But, so that's enough about that. Would you like to get into the topic today? Yep. So do you have anything you want to start with?
1: Um, I pulled up this article um, from Hippolatina.com about uh, Chicana activists and the Chicano movement Okay. Um, that I thought would be interesting and I'm going to send it to you now <laughs> but um, I knew of the Chicano movement somewhat um, before taking my um, Mexican American lit class as well as my um, my other class I don't remember the name of the class now wow yeah brain um but anyway so the chicano movement was born out of the chicano movement um which also sprouted um movements like the brown berets um which was the hispanic um, latinx version of the black berets um they also worked with the black berets um during the Um, civil rights movement. The biggest things about the Chicana movement was that it was centered around um, how women within the Chicano movement were being discriminated against in the Chicano movement. So like women were on the front lines helping fight for, you know, labor unions and labor laws like um, Cesar Chavez, um, but weren't getting any credit or being heard. So they started their own movement.
0: Yeah. So I read something um, from, I think it was on Encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, that said the Chicano movement began to develop more steam um, while at the first annual Denver Youth Conference on March 27th through the tw- 31st in 1969. The women behind the Chicano movement began to question their involvement in the Chicano movement. And this fuel was added to the fire uh, with a declaration from some members of the Chicano movement that the Chicano women do not want to be liberated. So that was like a statement someone said at that uh, conference, apparently, and it like made them kind of like,
1: no, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, wait a minute.
0: Hold women- up then yeah in the same article it was talking about um the brown Berets, which you mentioned and then uh Movimento, Mov- Movimiento estudia estudiantal uh chicano de al, al- aztlan uh and then la raza unida party um is also mentioned in here um which these are just uh it's it said that it was just spaces that they developed Um, To challenge gender inequality and sexism
1: Yeah Um, So what's interesting is That the Chicana movement um, Tried really hard To um, Put forth the idea of Intersectionality Before we really understood what intersectionality was Like Kimberly Crenshaw is the The person who first Spoke about um, Intersectionality and feminism Meaning that Um there are different Experiences Experienced Based um, On Different aspects Of your life So Yes I am an AFAB person And therefore Subject to Misogyny Um, I'm on the Trans spectrum So I'm Subject to Trans misogyny As well um, And transphobia And homophobia Because I'm a lesbian You know So on and so forth All of those things Impact my Experience of Sexism But My sexism Does not come from a racial place. So women who are not white or AFABs who are not white, their experience is going to be different because often their experiences with sexism or homophobia um, are also deeply rooted in
0: racial biases. Yeah, I think that's something that we highlighted before where it's like everybody has their own experiences and making sure everyone's experience is highlighted is kind of a key thing in equal rights and equality or equity as well. Mm-hmm. Adding those things like that, um, and highlighting like the Chicano movement that spurred out of the Chicano movement because because of those things. Even inside inside of a movement where they're fighting for rights, there's yeah. turmoil and issues where people are being um, they're there's they're, they're being. What am I trying to say, Sarah? I don't I don't know. <laughs>
1: what are you trying to
0: say? <laughs> um uh... he's like wait did i write this down in the script i did
1: oh <laughs> uh, but no i,
0: I unequal I... treatment so there's there's that unequal treatment that they're experiencing inside those movements sorry i found it
1: yeah yeah no you're good um i <laughs> had an idea that that might be where you were going um one of the reasons that the that chicana feminism in particular um came out of the Chicano movement rather than just becoming part of the overall women's movement that was occurring at the same time um, was because um, they felt alienated in those white feminist spaces because white feminism has a tendency to just focus on, well, we're all women so we all have to fight together, but the truth is, is that yes, while many of us are women and identify as women we all have our unique experiences based on other factors and it can't just be oh well we're women so we all have to stick together because like there's some women out there who are pretty shitty that i don't want to i don't want to stick with them yeah and it's like a
0: rallying right and i think <laughs> well yeah jay rowling i think that's interesting because it's like what i i see that and it, it's an issue and it's like why why is it an issue and then you have like these women that are like i don't i don't care if i have rights like i want my husband to do everything my husband will do it that's fine it'll it'll take care of it but it's like okay that's fine for you but what about for your daughter or for your child or for other people that aren't you that aren't your child yeah why is that why is that enough for you like that's but that's always my thing i always question why are you okay with having less when you could have more right there's a
1: line um
0: or Did have mean, equal sorry
1: yeah yeah my there's a line that um always sticks with me and it's from it's from a musical it's from Yentl um Barbara Streisand she sings this one song called piece of Sky and she's like with all there is, why would you settle for just a piece of sky oh. And just like that's kind of always influenced my viewpoint on it is like with all there is out there why would i just settle
0: for a tiny piece yeah i think that kind of that that kind of like hits and i i said the same thing in like my bio on our website um i always heard when i was little from my dad and my family it was like oh that's for rich people we're not rich people we can't experience that it's like why can't we right it's like that's for that's for those people we we should we don't have access to it it's like but we should right we should and be why, able to create access to it yeah why why don't we have access for it right what is what is keeping us from getting that access and how do we need what do we need to do to get it that's yeah i've never yeah, i remember that. hearing
1: similar as a kid of like yeah. we don't have the money for that Um, and I think I've mentioned briefly on here that like, when I was a little kid, there were things that I thought only rich people ate, like fruit by the foot, for example, (laughs) it was like, that was always way too expensive for us, you know? So like, I was always like, if I went over to somebody's house and they had fruit by the foot, I was like, oh, they must be rich because
0: they have this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so getting back to the Chicana movement, I also saw, um, something in there about, and I think you in the article that you sent over there, I, I scrolled through it and I see some of the the people that are in this list that I'm looking at, um, like friend, Francisca Flores, uh, the founder of Commission Femenal Mexicano Me- Mexicana, um, Anya Anna Niento Gomez, uh, who is a student at Long Beach and an educator in Southern California, and then the last one on the list that I looked at um, is Marta Cortera yeah uh texas-based author of daiso Diosa, diosa y embra i i'm not very good at spanish so i apologize um and a participant in the mujeres por la raza unida uh, a newspaper in new mexico um, and they were highlighted in this list as prominent um activists and yeah. um in the chicano movement and wrote like poetry and essays critiquing the unequal treatment by men in the movement um and then racism in u.s and racism in the other mainstream mainstream uh, women's movements like you were kind of talking about hmm yeah
1: um fun fact about um marta kutera is that um she's also a librarian Oh, that's cool. That's that's important for me with my little library degree. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, one that I really wanted to highlight was, let me scroll down here, Gloria Anseldua. Um, and she was one of the writers that we focused on for the class that I was in. Um, oh. We had her book, The Borderlands, um, which was about existing along the border of... Texas and Mexico and how different um, life is out there versus closer like further inland um, and she's also queer so she was um she was pretty awesome the the book was very interesting the parts that I read for class I have the whole book that I plan on finishing reading
0: so I think it's always interesting um, to see about like the the mix of people that are included and like how their different experiences uh tailor like how like what activists what what parts of the active activism fight that they actually like get into and pay closer attention to yeah um i think the thing that i wanted to kind of point out earlier or that uh, you shared on tiktok earlier is that uh, video of the trans woman sitting eating dinner or lunch? Yes. And she, like, I don't know, I don't know what happened before the video, but like, it looked like she was just sitting there eating lunch with her dog. And the woman that was sitting next to her, not too far from her, started just freaking out on her. And <clears throat> she basically said, Oh, well, I'm a, um, what was it?
1: A turf. A ter- but, she said she, she said it wrong because she said yeah. that she was a trans eccentric uh, radical feminist which is actually trans exclusionary radical feminist and by the way if you identify as a TERF you're not a fucking feminist so you can just shut the fuck up but anyway um, but yeah I know in the video the woman is she's just sitting there she's enjoying her lunch with her dog and this other woman off screen starts harassing her and at one point in the video, I was just like, "Okay, but you're over here saying that you get to be whatever you want to be, and this other woman gets to be whatever she wants to be. So then leave her alone, like."
0: Yeah, and and the person that we're referring to, um, the trans woman, is her name is Lily Tino, uh, and it's at Lily Tino underscore is her, and I'll I'll link it in the the podcast the episode.
1: But yeah, it was just like yeah.
0: it's okay. very it's very weird. Like how can you say you're a feminist? It's kind of the same thing that they say in the um uh the black like the black lives matter movement. It's Mm-mm. like you can say that you are for black lives, but you can't be transphobic. Yeah. There are black trans people, so you're not for black lives.
1: Yeah, you're only for specific black lives which was the main reason that chicanas split off and had their own feminist movement was because when they were trying to work with white feminists they were met with that same kind of thing of like okay but we experienced this differently because we're not white and white women were just like well we're all women we all experience this and it's just like well I mean yes that's that's technically true we do all experience this but we all experience it differently based on different factors
0: yeah it's kind of like the whole like black lives matter versus all lives matter it's like yes saying all lives matter like that's i mean yes all lives matter obviously but right you don't want to like you want to highlight a specific person or a specific group that's being tormented and attacked at the time yeah. And that's that's the whole reason behind that statement or those types of those types of movement like this one, the Chicana movement. It's like you they're trying to highlight and make sure that it's not just women's rights. It's all women's rights and in this particular group highlighting the fact that there is disparity and issues within the, the women's rights movements.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately there's still a lot of disparities. That's why we end up with TERFs. But again... If you identify as a turf, you're not a feminist because you're They're not here for radical. all
0: women. Yeah. I think the, the radical part is the key portion because I don't think it, you can never, I don't know that there's a good, you can't be radical and be, m- give, make positive change. I don't think. I'm going to, I'm going to
1: disagree just because historically speaking, radical movements are, generally what has propelled change forward revolution unfortunately requires blood but the thing is is that you can be a radical feminist and also be an intersectional feminist at the same time like you can't the the thing with radical feminism is that we tend to focus on the very small minority of radical feminists who were all all men are evil and there is no such thing as a good man and blah 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 blah. and which is part of the reason why feminism often gets the branding of being you know a man-hating movement um because i mean those those women their experiences with men is what created that for them and i and i understand that yeah that like that's not the whole movement that was one section of the movement
0: And i think that's what i mean by you can't be like positive there's very few times when there's a positive outcome to radical like the word radical because you have things like that where it's like it's so like so far into like away from kind of like the the main point of it yeah you're adding in things that like you can have like radical like movements like not movements but like demonstrations mm-hmm. and that is what I still I still hesitate to use the word radical because I think there to me there is a negative connotation with the word radical because you do have those like where what you were saying where it's like all men all men are evil or like, um, what is it? All, all police are terrible. It's like, well, that's not most, well, a, a, g- a good majority, yes. A good majority no, no. are evil, yes. And, Here's but, the
1: thing about ACAB, though. All well, cops are bastards. Okay. Here's the thing about ACAB is that while you may be a good person, you are a person who is still upholding laws and a government that is purposefully trying to destroy the
0: people. You are no longer for the people, ergo, all cops are bastards. But I think the issue with that is they're not all cops are doing that. They're a lot of the cops are just that's like they're just following the rules, and it's not the police officer, the person's fault. It's the system's fault.
1: But it's a job that they chose, and it's something that they're upholding. Police officers actually are not here to protect the public. That's the problem. Yeah. Is like we have we have this viewpoint in our minds of like oh, police officers are here to protect the public, so there are good police officers out there. But they're actually not there to protect the public. They're there to protect the government's interests. Ergo, they they may be good people outside of their job, but every cop is a bastard okay. because
0: their job is to suppress the people. Yeah, we are getting off topic a little bit, Sarah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is be a very interesting episode.
0: I know, yeah. Um, so, did you have more stuff you wanted to talk about? Did you want to look at some more people on this list for the Chicano movement?
1: Um, just I just wanted to highlight a couple. Um, you've already highlighted highlighted a few of them. Um, I wanted to where is she? Um, I wanted to specifically highlight um, Gloria Arianez, um, who. Uh, was um a tongva chicana grandmother known for her role as a brown beret member during the east la walkouts and um the Chicano chicano movement and gloria managed the el barrio um free clinic offering medical support to
0: all during that time i was just reading um about dolores uh, huerta mm, um, mm-hmm. and it says she's uh is the most well-known name in the connects uh, activism, fighting for the rights of migrant farm workers. And she co-founded uh, the Stockton chapter of the Community Service Organization in 1955. And in 1962, with Cesar Chavez, uh, she co-founded the National Farm Workers Association, or NFWA, uh, which, she became, which became the United Farm Workers Association uh, Union, uh, UFW.
1: Yeah. And then speaking of um, Cesar Chavez, his wife, Helen, Um, they both um, fought for the rights of migrant farm workers, especially in California um, where migrant workers were making like less than a, I think it was like less than $5 a year, something Mm. like that. They were making so little and working so much Um, and Helen and Cesar Chavez were very instrumental in In fighting against that and creating the community service organizations and creating the National Farm Workers Associations and so on and so forth. So that migrant workers also received fair pay for fair work, which we still struggle with today, but we're apparently better than we used to be. I think
0: any like even in the service industry is weird. So like Ryan works and again, we're getting off topic, but like Ryan works as a, a waiter, they don't get paid like. They get paid dollars, like... Yeah. But they it's get late tips, late. and that's why. But it's like, well, what happens if you don't get very many tips? Like, you have to meet a certain... You're doing a certain threshold before the company is required to pay you minimum wage. And yeah, as we've discussed in previous episodes, like, even minimum wage right now, you can't live off of minimum wage for anything.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I learned recently that um, working... At the massage parlor that I work at. um, That. The massage therapists. And the estheticians. Like they make good money. But they only get paid if they're booked. So. If if you didn't get booked. Sucks to be you. You're not getting paid.
0: What is that? What was that called? Uh, There's a term for it specifically. Um, Not contract workers. Like freelancing? No. Like gig workers that's what it's called basically mm, yeah
1: it's it's kind of like that yeah so it's just like which I mean some of the therapists never have to worry about that because they're always booked but like some of the estheticians don't always get booked not everybody wants a facial all the time Yeah. so like you know if, if you're not booked you're not getting paid for that hour and then like there's nothing else for them to be doing that they would get paid for so they just sit around and don't get paid I was like I could not do that
0: I mean if you were doing if you had a good business model you would work with your massage therapist and your estheticians and be like can we put together like a a package where if they pay for this they get like a, a percentage off or something Like if they get a package where they get a massage and and then at the end, like they wrap it up with the facial or they start with the facial and then move into a massage, make it like a spa day package or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you had a good business model and did that, then that would be, that would be one way to fix that.
1: Yeah. Let's not talk about our business model
0: because it's it's not great. (laughs) Well, do you want to get back to the... Um, is there anything else you wanted to look at before we jumped into, uh, women who fight for, who, who fought for the right to vote? Uh, no, I think, I think we're good. I'm ready. So, um, I have just like a little scripted part and then we can kind of break off and talk about whoever. Um, I always I'm sorry. I like to script things. So no. I, know, <laughs> I, I know I get everything in what I wanted to say. No judgments. <laughs> So this is um, all about women's suffrage fighters. So the first first time women were allowed to vote in any U.S. election was in 1920. However, the first or the fight to uh, for women's right to vote started about 100 years prior to this, um, a fight in which several of the key activists and freedom fighters uh, were no longer alive to see the fruits of their hard work and dedication. And today we're going to take a look at a few of them. Um, who led the charge for equal rights in the U.S. and access to voting in elections. And the first one that is on this list from History, the History Channel, is Susan B. Anthony, which I always knew the name Susan B. Anthony because there's like the Susan B. Anthony coin and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't know very much about it. And I don't know if maybe I wasn't paying attention in history or it just wasn't covered that much. I'm not a huge history person, so it wasn't really covered. Yeah. Which that doesn't that it's not right, but it makes sense in the town that we lived in and the state that we lived in. Yeah, the high school it, that we went to, that makes total sense. Yeah. And the one the one history teacher I know I had to deal with, I I hated him. Um no name, Sarah. No, I wasn't
1: gonna say any <laughs> names. I was gonna say I I got along really well with the majority of my teachers
0: but the the teacher i hated the most was the government teacher. Hmm. Maybe so. i'm thinking of the government teacher. Cuz i don't now that i think about it i don't even remember who my history teacher was. Because
1: the government teacher was the one who would give you extra credit if you could prove that you killed a cat. I think he
0: also was caught drinking in class.
1: But that doesn't surprise me. He was also a huge misogynist. So like <laughs> He was fucking terrible.
0: <laughs> you know. Um, But what do you know about Susan B. Anthony?
1: What do I know about Susan B. Anthony? Um, Well, little kid Sarah would be able to tell you all sorts of cool things about Susan B. Anthony because I was obsessed with her when I was a kid. Um, I'm old now and so don't remember half the things I learned. Um, (laughs) I know that she was instrumental in the fight for women having the ability to vote. Um, I know that she considered herself an abolitionist um and I know that that it was a rough time because I know that um the women in the suffrage movement often got harassed by police um wrongfully incarcerated so on and so forth so I know that she went through like a lot of um torture with the police as well
0: I think um one of the things that I thought was interesting just reading this article from the History journal is she actually started like the reason she became or started becoming more active in the uh, women's suffrage movement was because she was pushing for more um, regulation around uh, alcohol in the area and public drunkenness uh, in her area of rochester new york and um, the politicians and people in her area didn't take her serious because she was fighting for quote women's issues um, and advocating on behalf of women Mm. and that was kind of like uh, based on this article it said that was the tipping point of her needing to do something so that she could have her voice heard through that right to vote right
1: now it is important for us to point out at this moment that and we've talked about this before is yes women earned the right to vote in you know, the 1920s. However, not all women in the United States had access to voting. No. Yeah. We've talked about before, but I'm just like reminding everybody. that we at first were it was away. like
0: you had to be married, right? Yeah, like, something like that. Be, you had to be married to a man that owned land. Yeah.
1: There was a lot of, there was a lot of tricky and there still is. There still is, there are still people who are not able to access their right to vote. But I mean, just, uh, makes me very angry. Sounds very frustrating. It is extremely frustrating. It's just like, you know, you'd think that we'd come a long way and in many, many ways we have, but at the same time, we still don't have marriage equality for people with disabilities. We still don't. We still have people who can't access the right to vote. Like it's 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 really frustrating. Yeah,
0: I am a little confused by this article, and I'm gonna read. There's like two sentences. Uh, yeah, they're both sent- just one sentence. So there's two sentences that I don't understand because they say like at the end it says the exact same thing. Um. Oh, well, I guess I should probably so. Though Anthony was decided or dedicated to the abolitionist cause and genuinely believed that black men and women deserved the right to vote. After the Civil War ended, she refused to support any suffrage amendments to the Constitution unless they granted the franchise to women as well as men. This led to the dramatic Shiism. I'm assuming that's what it is, S-C-H-I-S-M. I mean, that's what I would think. Uh, In the women's right movement between activists like Anthony, who believed that no amendment granting the vote to Black Americans should be ratified unless it also granted the vote to women. And then it said proponents of this point of view formed a group called the National Women's Suffrage Association. And then the next sentence, it says, opposing them were those who were willing to support an immediate expansion of the citizenship rights for former enslaved persons even if that it meant they had to keep fighting for universal suffrage. Proponents of this point of view formed a group called the American Women's Suffrage Association. That's the same thing. Oh, no, it's not. National Women's Suffrage. Okay. Alright. That makes more sense. Sometimes
1: you just have to read it out loud.
0: And I did. I thought I did earlier, but apparently not. There's... Instead of instead of national, it's American Women's Suffrage Association. Mm. Okay. Oh, sorry. I did want to point out for the Chicana movement, going back to that real quick. Yep. I wanted to kind of see what it was or how it was still today um, or what, what was still included in it. And from the article from Encyclopedia, I think is where it was from. There was just a statement closer to the end that said the Chicano movement continued into the 21st century while activists and academics continued examination of the impact of race, class, gender, and sexuality on women's lives, uh, while also advocating for more jo- uh, more just social conditions in the U.S. Hmm. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to need to pause because the little man just got up, so I will be right back.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: All right, so for us, we're back. It's been like five minutes, but for you guys, it's going to be like no time because I paused the recording. So we're jumping right <laughs> back in. Uh, so we were just talking about Susan B. Anthony, and we'll come to the the video you just sent me later. Um, <laughs> one thing, one thing I wanted to point out um, that I think is kind of interesting, and I I didn't realize until I just read this again, is you can kind of see. Um, Susan B. Anthony as a uh, not not an abolitionist, but an obstructionist at some point of the Fifteenth Amendment, just based on that thing where she said she doesn't, or that it says uh, there no amendment granting the vote to Black Americans should be ratified unless it also granted the vote to women um so they're it's kind of like a kind of it goes against kind of what they're fighting for basically it's like well saying well they can't have it because i can't have it right which is weird and i don't i don't i don't like that yeah <laughs> but i started I, out and i was like i, I don't also like don't like that
1: um it's actually one of the biggest um marks against her i guess is, is what i'm gonna say there that's not what i wanted to say but i can't remember what i wanted to say um but like she, she was doing so good, and then she was
0: like, "No." <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like what you said last last week with Virginia Woolf. It's like she's a great writer, and there's all this good stuff, and then it's like she's also racist.
1: Yeah, and we could also
0: other things that are not yeah. great. I mean, you could also kind of say the same thing about, and I'm not going to justify. Um. What is her name? You said it earlier. The author. J.K. Rowling. Oh, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> you could say the same thing, but really, I think she's just garbage all around. Like, she writes interesting... She wrote it, a series of interesting books, but, like, what else has she written so far? And then she used all those billions of dollars to leverage anti-trans and racist movements. Yeah. Anyways... Back to women's suffrage. <laughs> I mean, she's... she's getting off topic easily today.
1: You know what? I think I think that's okay though. I think that's okay. Because we're covering a lot of really cool stuff right now.
0: Yeah. Um, and then further on in this list, there's um Alice Paul, who was the leader of the most militant wing of women's suffrage movement. Um and it says uh she joined the suffragist Emmeline Pankhurst radical uh, confrontational women's social and political union and learned how to use civil disobedience and other unladylike tactics to draw attention to her cause and um, she returned to the United States in 1910 and brought those militant tactics to the well established National American Women's Suffrage Association and as the chair of the in a WSA's con- congressional committee she began to agitate for the passage of a federal suffrage amendment to the constitution like the one her hero, Susan B. Anthony had wanted so badly to see which she was still alive when they passed the 19th amendment granting women mm. the right to vote whereas Susan B. Anthony had died, I think it was just a couple years beforehand 1906 she was also 86 years old, which back in the 1800s and early 1900s, that's pretty old. Yeah,
1: I just found an article about that about video yourself. that I sent you. The yeah, TikTok. and it's it's also from the History Channel.
0: Yeah. So, do you want to talk about the TikTok you just sent? Because it kind of goes into, like it kind of goes in line with um, what you were saying that you didn't even realize... But people don't realize that these types of things still happen today. Cause...
1: Yeah. Um, but it also it also ties into what I was saying about um when women were first like earning trying to get the right to vote, uh the police that there was torture involved as well. Like some of those women experienced torture at the hands of the police. It also goes in line with that. So while lovely james was off walking the bobo um i was scrolling through tiktok as a do, and i came across this tiktok um from the history channel talking about america's forgotten mass imprisonment of women for if they were believed to be quote-unquote sexually immoral so under this plan of government that they had um women could be detained for sitting in
0: a restaurant alone uh changing jobs or for no reason at all not even just like detained they i think it says in here that they can like search them and like do a physical examination of them
1: yeah so it says nearly two dozen women were rounded up by authorities on a single day in sacramento california in 1919 margaret hennessy was one of them she was apprehended while walking with her sister to the meat market mrs hennessy had been staying in town recovering from influenza at the home of her sister and then as the two women were walking to the market they were approached by an officer and other members of sacramento's quote-unquote morals squad uh that had been formed that very morning <laughs> and they said that they were suspicious characters so they then took her and Forcibly probed and prodded her genitalia, looking for STIs, and like, yeah.
0: Well, like this let's was let's happening. Let's clarify: they didn't. They took her to a doctor, and the doctor did. Yeah, but but yes. Is that a
1: it, real though. doctor, though?
0: I don't know. That's just what the thing that said. I know. That's what I'm saying, though. Is
1: like, is it a real doctor or is it a doctor? Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, from the 1910s through the 1950s, and in some places into the 1960s and 1970s, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of women, American women, were detained and forcibly examined for STIs.
0: Which is crazy. Because it's like, an STI, you don't have to be sexually unfaithful to get an STI. Yeah. Like, your partner can be the one. So, like, are you also... But I guess maybe these, I'm not saying it's okay, but maybe these women weren't married or whatever, or in I mean, relationships. But still, that's still not okay. Yeah.
1: Still, though. So it says um, if the women tested positive, <clears throat> US officials locked them away in penal institutions with no due process. Um, obviously, while many records of the program have since been lost or destroyed, women's for- forced internment could range from a few days to many months. Um, inside the institutions they were often injected with mercury and forced to ingest arsenic based drugs the most common treatments for syphilis in the early part of the century and if they misbehaved or if they failed to show proper ladylike deference uh, these women could be beaten doused with cold water thrown into solitary confinement or even sterilized and forced sterilization obviously is not um, that unheard of because we've been hearing about it with women who are being held captive um at the border so no hi if you keep scrolling down there's there's more like they blamed it they blamed women for infecting the troops during world war one yeah
0: there's I, there's a lot of weird stuff on this um not weird stuff but interesting um like you can see there's a couple of pieces of cartoons from that, that time were- frame yeah from that time frame and it's like one where there's three women um two of them that have like their faces are skulls and one of them has a syphilis written across her chest the other one has gonorrhea written across her chest and then there's a troop or a, a navy or army person guy in uniform <clears throat> and then a woman who looks like a regular woman and then like on her dress it just says prostitution and then behind her there's a sign that says two girls i want i want you i want uh two girls i know want to meet you in the worst way basically implying that uh this man that has on his jacket the young the brave the strong implying that he's part of the military um the women were wanting to infect him with their gonorrhea or syphilis <clears throat> and then further down there's another cartoon which is kind of like the the same stuff that they would kind of put out where it's like the uncle sam yeah type of cartoon uh it says she may be a bag of trouble and then at the bottom it says syphilis gonorrhea it's yeah. just a woman with a, a beret smoking a cigarette
1: just a regular old woman like yeah. but it's so if you scroll further down it says um the police were justified in none of these arrests.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and nearly every person examined and locked up under these laws was a woman. The vague standard of reasonable suspicion enabled officials to pretty much detain any woman they wanted. Records exist in archives to document women being detained and examined for sitting at a restaurant alone for changing jobs for being with a man for walking down a street in a way a male official found suspicious and often for no reason at all
0: and then even further down it talks about how uh, some women were even detained if they refused to have sex with uh, police officers or health officials um and um in the 1940s san francisco police officers sometimes threatened to have women vagged or vaginally examined if they didn't a siege to sexual demands women of color or immigrant men in particular were targeted and subjected to higher degree of abuse once they were locked up Not shocking and then it goes even further to say that even though the enforcement of the american plan ended by the 1970s there are still similar laws in place today yeah it's crazy and it's insane that even in the title of this uh, story Americans forgotten mass imprisonment imprisonment of women believed to be sexually immoral like i I never knew anything about this and this is from 2019 yeah crazy interesting interesting stuff man
1: sucks out here
0: <laughs> yeah well do you want to talk a little bit about um like wrap it up on a on a kind of more fun note. I <laughs> Yeah, and um <laughs> look into some of the women-owned businesses that we looked or we kind of pulled.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You may have to send me the the link again.
0: Or what? no wait, No. Don't listen to me. Never do. <laughs> I think the funniest one that I saw on this list, um so it's a list from CNN called underscored and it's 26 women-owned businesses for all uh, for all your everyday essentials. And there's things like Away where there's uh, luggage and travel um, and, like, just carry-on luggage and suitcases and stuff like that. There's Otherland, uh, which is a um, candle company. Uh, There's a few jewelry places, like Catbird is a jewelry. Um, Then there's the one that I think is the funniest, Tushy. I didn't realize (laughs) Tushy was a woman, a female-owned business. Uh, But I think the cool thing about Tushy is it's not only... um, a good product a portion of tushy uh, profits go to build community toilets enabling the poor in india to lead healthier productive and more dignified lives so a portion of their proceeds go to help um, people in india who don't have access to toilets or clean toilets i guess and then further on in this list there's also um i think is how you say it C-U-Y-A-N-A, which is a fashion brand that sells clothing and um, single origin cashmere cardigan. Beauty Bakery, which is a um, female-owned cosmetics company. Sugar Goop. Or no, sorry. Super Goop. Not Sugar Goop. Super Goop. Sugar Goop sounds funnier, though. It does. Um, But it's it's like face wash and uh, SPF and... I was looking on there earlier while I was sitting, waiting for my car to get finished. I was looking on their website and it's like, it's not just SPF, it's like different types of SPF. So there's like um, one that makes your skin glow. There's one that mattifies your skin. For those like me that have really oily skin, it will mattify. It doesn't just add on the like layer of goop. (laughs) Uh, But it's lightweight, sheer protection that can be used, uh, that can be even used as makeup primer. And then Outdoor Voices is another one on this list, which is kind of workout clothes. Uh, Glossier is one that I've heard of before uh, looking on this list. I didn't realize it was a female-owned business uh, or founded by a female. Um, But it's just a a makeup brand and uh, I think an overall, like skincare brand as well and there's parachute which is um bed sheets and linens for your bed sundays is more of a uh, nail polish type of uh is a nail polish and hand cream company now and bomba curls is a um, product that promotes hair health and nourish curls and it also helps treat alopecia Hmm. nice that's interesting And uh, Lula Cordero, who is native from Dominican Republic, is the founder. Love that. Uh, Majori is another jewelry company founded by Nora Sakija. I said that wrong more than likely. Actually, funny thing, just saw a TikTok earlier that was like uh, this guy working in a business, um, like working from home or something. And he was like, after a long day of working really hard, I need to, I want to splurge and um, treat myself and it was a like he went to Majuri and bought a uh, I think he bought a a ring or something so I commented and I was like love this uh, purchasing from women women owned businesses on uh, during women's history month yes love that Uh, and then there's also HyperSkin, which is again another um, skin care specifically for hormonal acne and hyperpigmentation and then I think it's Ohai, O U A I. I don't really know for sure, but it is again another skincare company. Um, and then Jungalo is a home decor company. And I was looking at their, uh, on the this website or on this in this article, there's these really cool like bookend vases or vases, depending on who you are, um, <laughs> that are like, just face like women's faces. They're really cool. And then Brother Villies Bellies is a shoe company. Uh, African design practices and techniques alive while creating and sustaining artisanal jobs. And then Dagne Do- Dover. I don't know if that's really how you say it. Dagne, Dagne Dover? D-H-E. I was going to say Dagne, but... Oh, might be. Um, looks like it's again a like backpack or like bag company. And then Savage X Fenty, which I'm sure most people know. Uh, started Rihanna.
1: by Rihanna. I love her.
0: Uh, purely Elizabeth is a nutritional foods company that uh, start. Okay, founder Elizabeth Stein wanted to start a nutritional foods company that was both healthy and tasty. And the picture is uh, chocolates and chocolate sea salt and probiotic cookies. Or no, I think they're they made cookies out of the granola. Hmm. Spanx. Spanks. I think really was a uh, was founded by a woman that's cool though makes sense
1: founded by a Sarah
0: no less so <laughs> she doesn't have the H. So. so what do you call that Sarah though Sarah
1: Sarah the diet soda version
0: <laughs> um, and then the last couple on this list uh, there's O'Shea which is another um, skincare company uh, founded by a mother-daughter duo uh, Stasher which is kind of a really cool company that is uh, gets rid of the single-use plastic so there's um instead of using ziploc bags there's an option for ziploc bags there's an option for um bowls and stuff like that drunken girl designs or sorry drunk girl designs which i think is the funniest one of the funnier things um and it's art art prints and they even sell oil paintings on there because i was looking at their website and it's it's not actually a website it's um it's it's to an etsy page
1: yeah I love the uh, Regina Mean Girls oil painting. Yeah, only eight dollars though.
0: Uh, for an eight by ten, yeah.
1: Oh, for an eight by ten. Okay. Yeah, I was looking, and it
0: starts. It starts out like that. I I almost I was looking at it because I was gonna. I was thinking of like what I could do to kind of buy something from a couple of these places, and I was like, well, I'll look at art because I have some fun art. Yeah, Um, and they or this site has um all of the Golden Girls. Nice. So I was potentially going to look at getting uh all of those in like the 11 by 17. Or I could just do 8 by 10s because I think the 8 by 10s are $8 or $9 each. Hmm. And then I would just buy frames for them. There you go. Uh, and then Nubian Skin is again another skin... Uh, no, sorry, not skin care company. Um, it is a uh lingerie. Slash hosiery company. Hosiery. Mm-hmm. And then the last one on this list is We the People. Yes. Which is a skincare brand founded by Karen Young. Yep. For uh, luxury razors. Do any of these sound interesting to you, Sarah? Would you want to buy something from any of these companies? I, I will say I looked at the prices on a lot of these. They're expensive, mostly. Well, I mean, yeah. 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 Uh,
1: I would probably buy something from Drunk Girl Designs, not gonna lie. Um, it is an I Etsy think, shop,
0: too.
1: Yeah, and it's an Etsy shop. Which, like, I mean... I... I wish I could get my Etsy shop off the ground. But anyway... Um... You should look into Fiverr. Fiverr? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard of that. Um, like, I'm I'm not big on facial care and whatnot. Which, I mean, I should be, but I'm not. Um, there, Yeah, so I'm like, not...
0: I'm not a huge skincare person either.
1: All this, all the skincare stuff. And I'm just like, I get it. We we want to be pretty, but I, I'm a goblin and I want to stay that way. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like, um, Catbird. And I thought that I had purchased something from Catbird once, but I'm not seeing it now. So.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm going to read this little snippet that it has in here for Tushy. Cause I think it's hilarious.
1: He uh, wants Tushy.
0: <laughs> I don't want one. I actually have a bidet. I just haven't installed it. Um like one of the ones that go on the seat. Yeah, yeah. So in this article it says upgrade your intimate number two experience with Tushy, a brand committed to giving you your cleanest bum yet. Founded by Mickey Agrawal. Agrawal? I, I'm sorry, Mickey, Mikey, Mickey. Uh, Tushy is known for its bidet attachments that quickly turn your bathroom into a spa. In fact, we believe the Tushy Classic 3.0, which is currently on sale for $99, is one of the best bidets under $100 for a simple to use clean. You can check out our full review here. And then there's a link to their full review of Tushy. I will not be buying it. I just think it's hilarious. Uh, But I do, I did look it up. Oh, we already talked about Tushy. So there's there's like a, a good cause behind what they are doing too. It's not just comical. Um, but then I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the some of these companies that... And I, I only looked at three of them, one of them being Tushy, uh, that have like a reason behind their brand. Um, they... So Jungalo is also working on sustainability and... Uh, they use sustainable materials and packaging. So they uh, natural, recycled, recyclable, and compostable materials. Um, their ceramics are all non toxic finishes and waterless dyeing, finishing, and painting to activate or to actively conserve water. Um, all of their textiles are sustainably uh, sourced. And they give back, so um, with every purchase, they plant two trees as well. Nice. And then the other one that I wanted to talk about. Actually, no, this one doesn't have anything about. Never mind. Okay. Well, that one didn't have anything in it about. Um... Ooh, this mirror is really nice. And it's only $180. Nice. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. That was really all I wanted to talk about today. We kind of got off topic a little bit, which is totally fine. Um, But we covered everything I wanted to talk about this week.
1: Cool. Go team.
0: what are yeah. you doing this weekend
1: well as long as I'm not dying tomorrow um we're gonna go to the renaissance fair which is where we were going to go today No. Yeah. then I was throwing up so that didn't happen <laughs> so
0: uh, last week Ryan and I um Ryan was like oh I bought tickets to that thing I may have talked about this already um so last year i bought tickets to this like handmade um it it was like a a fair like a craft fair where it was all things from local local vendors that were handmade like woodwork and stuff like that Mm, mm -hmm. um and he was like oh i bought another i bought i got tickets for that this year i was like okay cool uh we went and it was just a giant thrift store i was like that's not this isn't what it was last year (laughs) oof and he was like Oh. Yeah, I thought it was a thrift like it said thrift store last year. It was like mainly like vintage and I used air quotes for that because yeah I don't know how vintage it actually was. Uh vintage clothing and stuff like that. I'm like I'm not while well, this was fun to get out and actually do something, that I, I'm not into any of this, but we walked around it for a little bit and um got a free free drink, which I got a uh, Topo Chico, and he got uh, some coffee from a local vendor. Oh, Topo Chico. Topo Chico, yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. I was like,
0: I like it. I like. I, I think I've had it before, but I do. I mean, I like mineral water, and it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah,
1: it's it's pretty popular here.
0: Yeah, it's pretty popular now. Like, it's kind of taking the place of Perrier. Mm, yeah. Perrier was usually like the biggest that's the the main mineral water that people usually ask for yeah yeah else? what are you gonna do at the Ren Fair um
1: stare at all the cool-looking people and wish that I had a costume
0: <laughs> oh the <laughs> so funny thing about um Ren Fair the uh, Bob Bob and Monet were talking about that this week on their podcast um, Bob was saying that they wanted to buy a um, a sword from someone at a ren fair because they they really like swords. Mm-hmm. They were like, I just I just want it, like I'm never gonna use it. I just want it. I just want it to say that I have it. Yeah, I like it looks cool. That's all yeah. I want it for.
1: Yeah. No, uh, I've never been to a ren fair, so. I was, really, I was really excited. I was very, very disappointed this morning.
0: Um, yeah.
1: But, you know, we're gonna try again tomorrow, so...
0: Yeah. Make sure to take plenty of pictures and send them to Sam, because I'm sure Sam would love it. She loves Rin Fairs. Oh, yeah.
1: Sam's gonna have field day. I'll send all the pictures.
0: It's rainy and gross here today. Oh, no. I mean, it's not gross. It's, it's just chilly and raining, so it's not, not fun.
1: Right. I don't know what it's like outside. I have barely left my room. Um. Let me see. Let me see if this will tell me what it's like outside. Uh, apparently, the temperatures are currently sitting at eighty-seven, and our temps are supposed to quote-unquote plummet tomorrow. That's fun. So maybe cold at the run fair.
0: We're at thirty-seven. Um and there are supposed to be wind gusts of up to 24 miles per hour. Dang.
1: Oh, yeah, it's only supposed to be in the 70s tomorrow. But it's also going to be sunny, so it'll be fine. (sighs) Any exciting stuff going on for you besides editing the podcast?
0: Um, not really. I ordered some new shoes. I ordered my very first pair of um, Birkenstock shoes. Wow. But they're boots. But they're boots. I didn't know Birkenstock made boots. Yeah, I think they're a newer design. Um, What's crazy is uh, they were on sale and I still had to pay $150 for them. Jesus. But I was excited because I didn't have to pay as much as I was thinking I was going to pay for my car to get fixed, even though I did pay over two grand almost. Um, so I was like, I'll splurge and buy some shoes. And bought a pair of $150 boots.
1: Is it is it weird that I'm just picturing um, sandals with a boot top? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're not sandals with a boot top.
1: <laughs> That's all I think about when I think about Birkenstocks, is sandals. So I'm just like, okay, so Sandals. And then the boot-top boot part.
0: Birkenstocks. stocks. I'm going to show them to you. It's going to show them to me. Oh, my goodness. I like them a lot. I'm really excited. Well, obviously, you, you like them a lot. You paid a lot. Oh. Oh, sorry, guys. There Go are ahead. some, however, that do look like what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll show my screen so you can see what I'm...
1: I, yeah, I'm not not surprised, not surprised. I gotta take a shower. See? Okay. Alright. Those, those aren't bad. I like them a lot. Obviously.
0: You bought them. They're kind of shaped like a Birkenstock, though. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm fine with because I actually like Birkenstocks.
1: I miss my uh, Birkenstock type sandals that I used to have. I had to throw them away. They were completely falling apart.
0: I was going to say I like this darker brown color. It's called Mocha. But mm. it doesn't have the like cork exposed. It's a black sole. Yeah. I like the cork better. That was it. Okay. Um, other than that, I'm sure Ryan and I will go and get lunch tomorrow or something and then i i don't have any school work which is fun because school ended last week Woo! which i am excited about my next class starts this week this wednesday mm-hmm. which i'm okay with there you go i don't have anything to do for school stuff so I was able to kind of relax a little bit today other than having to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning to go and take my car to have something right. that had been fixed yesterday. Well, well call it a podcast.
1: I think we're going to call it a podcast.
0: All right. So I'll do my scripted clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. If you like this episode, please like, comment, follow, and subscribe. Please leave a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, as this will help get this podcast out to more people and help us grow. Feel free to follow us on social media. Our Instagram handle is at Now About That Pod. there is a specific topic that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email us at Now About That Pod at gmail.com or visit our website at www.nowaboutthatproductions.com and add your contact information information Into the contact us section and whatever you would want to, uh, you would like us to discuss on the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a great week. Since this will be coming out on a Monday, and Sarah, hopefully you have a good weekend and enjoy the Ren Fair.
1: Thanks. You have a good weekend too.
0: All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.